class. I'm going to be your uh, teacher this morning. Hi, teacher. Hi. 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 I, I, I'm your substitute teacher. Yeah. My name is Mr. Drummond. What you talking about? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna talk about. Uh -huh. Um. What's What's your name? My name's Billy, like the goat. Okay. But I'm not really a goat. No, you're a little boy. I'm just a kid. You're a little boy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about grace, okay? That's... Oh, I know grace. Oh, you know grace. I know all about grace. Okay, well, then this should be... She's in my other class. No. No. She's pretty. Okay. No. She makes me feel funny. Okay, okay. No. Okay, all right. This... This, this is a different type of grace. Oh, it's another girl named Grace? No, no. It's a, it's a concept that I will teach you through a song about a guy named Zacchaeus. Oh, Zacharias. No, it's Zacchaeus. Zucchini. It's Zacchaeus. Zoology. It's Zacchaeus. Zaboomafoo! Okay, 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 okay. Hey, hey, I need zoom, you... Zoom. Hey, let's... Don't touch. Okay, okay, sorry, sorry, okay. Sorry, I need you just to listen, okay? okay. I'm going to teach you about a guy named uh, Zacchaeus through this song, okay? Oh, I love to sing. Okay, well then... Well, I love to sing uh, songs to God. Uh, okay. Like, I love to sing, I love to sing. Mm. Jesus loves me, uh, this I know. Uh, for the Bible done told me so. Mm. I'm going to be the next American Idol. <laughs> sure you are. Sure you are. Sure you are. What is this? What is this? Oh, the Bible told me so. Uh-huh. Like you're sewing. Mm. My grandmother sews memory verses in my underwear. Mm. Mm. In case I have an accident. Is that right? <laughs> and I bet a little kid like you, you probably do have accidents, right? I just did. All right, thanks. Here we go, here we go. Kids, class, here we go with the story. Here we go with the song, here we go, okay? It goes like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. <laughs> Zacchaeus was a wee little man. <laughs> what, 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 Billy? B Billy, Billy. Don't touch. <laughs> Stranger danger. <laughs> You're supposed to sign a form. <laughs> okay, 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 I did, I did, it's okay. Okay, um, okay, um, why, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Because you said we. Uh, we, we mean small. You mean something else too. Okay. okay. Hey, hey, I really need you to... Don't touch. Okay, sorry, okay, 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 okay. I need you to listen, okay? It goes like this, okay? Okay, Zacchaeus was a wee little man... And a wee little man was he, he climbed. <laughs> what, what is so funny? What is so funny? You said we. Yes. And then you said we again. You said we, we. I can't wait to tell my mom about the song you taught us in Sunday school. <laughs> Okay, 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 okay. Zacchaeus was a short guy. What? He was a short guy. What's wrong with short people? Nothing. Nothing is wrong with short people. I'm just trying to get through the song, okay? And a short guy was he. He climbed up the sycamore tree for the... He climbed up the sycamore... Well, okay, Bi Billy. Billy. Billy, 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 Bill, what, Billy, what, what is the matter? What is the matter? What is the matter? What's wrong with the tree? There's nothing wrong with the tree. You said it was sick. 
I did not. Yes, you did. I did not. Yes, you no, did. No, I did not. Yes, you no, did. I, I said it was a sycamore tree. Oh, it's getting sicker by the minute. Okay, okay. Why are you teaching children about dying trees? <sighs> You're the sick one. Don't, 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 don't touch. I didn't sign a paper. <laughs> He he climbed up he climbed up an oak an oak tree. A what? He climbed up an oak tree. Oh, an oak tree. Yes. So it's oak K. There you go. There you go. He climbed up an oak tree. Well, who wouldn't? For the Lord he wanted to see. Oh, is this where Jesus comes? Yes, this is the part in the song where Jesus is no, coming. No, 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 Jesus can't come because I don't have on my bow tie. Oh, you you know what, class? Let's just let's just slow down real quick, okay, class? This is a great great opportunity. You see, Billy, um, um, you don't have to wear a bow tie, okay? Because Jesus takes you just as you are, okay? All right. And as the Savior passed His way, what what did I what what did I what 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 did, what did I what did I do what did I do what did I do? Jesus is gonna take me. Okay. Okay. I'm too young to die. He says not. If I knew my life was gonna be so short, I would have lived differently. He's not. Don't touch me. Okay, okay. He he's he's not gonna take you. He's not gonna take you. He's not gonna take me today. Unfortunately, no. All right. Okay. Just, just let me get through the song. You are not good with children. <laughs> and as the Savior passed his way, he's still coming. He's here. Jesus should get a scooter. Okay, okay, okay. You see, this is the part where Jesus is going to see Zacchaeus in the tree, and he's going to show crazy love, grace, undeserved favor to Zacchaeus because nobody likes Zacchaeus. Oh, Zacchaeus was like you. I need you. And as the Savior passed his way, he looked up in that tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you quit wee-weeing on trees. You're killing them. All right. So now you know the story of Zacchaeus <laughs> told, <laughs> told creatively. We're going to talk a little bit today about the story of Zacchaeus. Um, it's a pretty... Short passage in the scripture. If Cephas was up here, I had him do a babom ching because you guys didn't get that one. It was short. Okay. Anyway, and but but it's very concise. But it's a story that we often teach our children. In fact, um, a few weeks ago in the pre-K, um, Emily Moore told me that they talked about Zacchaeus. And in fact, my four-year-old came home singing the song uh, that he was trying to teach that little boy in the video. Emily was much more successful with my daughter than that uh, teacher was with that student. But um, what Zacchaeus means and what happened to him. And I want to take a closer look today about what Zacchaeus means for our faith. 
You know, sometimes we hear these stories or we know the songs, but we don't necessarily apply it to what it means to us, what it means to our everyday faith. And so specifically what Zacchaeus means in the context of the rescue mission that we've been talking about over these past few weeks that Jesus has commissioned us to. So let's look at the scripture in Luke 19. It's 10 verses, and this is what it says. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, and he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner." But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So from these ten verses, we know a few small things about Zacchaeus. We know he was a tax collector. We know he was wealthy, and for whatever reason, Jesus made sure that we knew that he was short. And in this time period, um, Israel was under the control of the Roman government. So people in Israel didn't like this at all. They were very frustrated that the Romans had control over their, uh, their government. And so they were not a free nation. They had to obey the Roman law. They had to submit to Roman authority. So whatever the Romans told them to do, they had to do. And so tax collectors worked for the Roman government and they were not well liked because they were sent to homes to take people's money. Nobody really likes the guy that comes to your house and tells you you have to give him your money. And and, uh, Zacchaeus wasn't even a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. So even if he was a nice guy, he was probably damaged by association. People really viewed him as someone they did not want to see at their doorstep. Also in that time, many tax collectors were also known as as they were crooks, they were thieves. Um, They were dishonest, and so they would collect money, and they would keep some for themselves, and they would give the rest to the government. And because the government didn't punish this, the tax collectors got away with it. And we don't know if Zacchaeus is wealthy because of this or not, but it certainly was a possibility because many of the tax collectors had this practice and they would steal money from people. And so in verse 7, after Jesus tells him that he is coming uh, to his house, the people, you read in the scripture, they muttered in distaste. They said, well, Jesus chose a sinner. Out of all the people that could have came, I cleaned my house all afternoon because I was hoping Jesus would come over. He didn't even pick me. He picked Zacchaeus the sinner. And so people really saw him as someone that was not following Christ and someone that was very distasteful in the community. And even though Zacchaeus was, had that reputation, even though he was not the religious type, he was not a stand-up kind of guy that you would assume Jesus would come and ask if he could come over for dinner, he was the most unlikely and the, probably the most unexpected person. I love this part. Zacchaeus still wanted to see Jesus. 
Even though people really put a black mark on him that he would not be the right kind of Christian or the right kind of person, Zacchaeus still wanted to see Jesus. Zacchaeus was drawn to the Savior. He probably didn't even know what drew him, but he was drawn to the Savior. I love Psalms 42, 7. You're probably familiar with it. It says that deep calls out to deep. And what that scripture means is that something inside of us calls out for our creator. There's just something in us that wants purpose and that wants to understand why we're here and, and what God wants for our life. And Zacchaeus, though he had no relationship with the Father, though he had no relationship with Jesus, he was drawn, he was attracted to who Jesus was. And I believe Jesus still does that today, that he attracts people that he is working in, in people's hearts and, and people's lives. He, he is drawing out curiosity. Maybe even think of the person in your life that is the most unlikely person that you would think to come into a church or have a relationship with Christ. Even that person, I believe Jesus is drawing the curiosity in them. He is revealing himself in ways that, that, he, that we could never explain away. And I think that this part of the scripture, the, the fact that he was very careful to tell us that Zacchaeus was a tax collector, he was the chief one, he was wealthy, so he was probably stealing things, he was short, not that we don't like short people, but he was saying all of these things. The scripture is saying that we need to be careful never to discount anyone. I think Jesus is communicating that if we ever decide in our heart or even say out loud, that person will never be a Christian, that person will never understand who Jesus is, look at what they're doing, that is discounting the very power of who Jesus is. And so what he is saying is, you know what? This is a person that you would never expect. Let me show you an example in the scripture. And not only does Zacchaeus so is so curious about who Jesus is, he does something risky and kind of strange. He climbs a tree. He, he, he is an action to see if he can understand more of who Jesus is. So I led a small group Bible study once at Edinburgh University. This was lots of, of years ago when we first started on campus. And I had a, a small group of students. We met in a classroom, and there was a student who came every week who was very antagonistic to the gospel. Um, I'm not sure why he came. In fact, one week I actually asked him why he came, and he said because he liked to bother me. So I took it. I said, okay, well, keep coming. He dressed all in black. He never said a word. In fact, I would ask him questions, even simple ones like, hey, what'd you have for lunch today? And he would just stare me down and not say anything, <laughs> which was sort of awkward in the moment. <laughs> but he listened to what I was saying. He was well-known on campus as a, a drug dispenser. People knew if they wanted to get drugs that they could go to this particular young man. And at prayer request time, every week, I would ask him if there's anything he needed prayer for, and he would answer sarcastically, I want to pray for all the cats in the world with broken hearts. And I would look at him, not sure if he was serious, but he was so serious looking. I just had to take that for granted. And so every week I'd pray for Stephanie's sick uncle and Adam's parents' divorce and Becca's financial needs and all the cats in the world with broken hearts <laughs> every single week. Now, I like cats, okay? This is not a dig on cats. But what he was trying to do is make it so that I would pray for something so ridiculous. And I would do it. 
every single week for 30 weeks. And after two semesters of this, I remember coming home at the end of the year and saying to Joel, I didn't think I got anywhere, and it probably distracted these other students. Maybe I should ask him not to come anymore. I kind of had a defeating moment. And then there was summer break. And when Justin returned in the fall, I'll never forget the moment that he came to find us the first day of class. He, he came barreling over to the table that we were standing at where we were giving out uh, something for the students, free something. And with this strange sparkle in his eyes, he said to me, I met him. And I thought, who are we talking about? <laughs> who are the, the cat? I was like, who, who are we talking about? And he said, I met him. That Jesus guy that you were talking about. I met him. And he went on to tell me how he was blackout drunk, high beyond his mind, unclothed in a bathtub at a party over the summer. And when he came to, in his hands was a Bible he had never seen before, opened up to John 3, which was this very scripture we had studied all year long. And he said, in that moment, I said, I thought that girl was crazy, but I'm not sure how to explain this. And he gave his life to Christ in that moment. And I was so struck by the fact, yeah, thank you, Jesus. I was so struck by the fact that Justin did absolutely nothing to pursue Jesus. In fact, he did the opposite. He tried so hard to be antagonistic. He tried to throw me off. He, he, tried to, he tried to get, you know, ask me questions that I couldn't answer. Yet, Jesus still pursued him with such unfailing love, just like he did for Zacchaeus, that it was so undeserving. And in that semester, I remember kids would still come and try to buy drugs from him, and he would give them an invitation to Chi Alpha, which is our campus ministry, and they'd be like, this isn't what I thought. I was kidding. I think he might have still took their money, though. We had to walk back there a little bit. Yeah, transformation. But. but Justin was curious about Jesus. He showed up to Bible study. I don't even know why, but there was something in his heart that made him wonder. And Jesus showed up in a supernatural way to seek him. And Jesus did this for Zacchaeus, and Jesus did this for Justin, and Jesus does this for you, and Jesus does this for me. That even in our worst moments, even when we are the most unlikely people, even those we meet that we would totally write off, that they would ever enter a church, that they would ever understand Christ, even those people, what Jesus is telling us through Zacchaeus is we cannot discount anyone from the hope of the gospel because it is for all mankind. It is for everyone. And so I like you guys today. You're kind of, you're kind of, you're kind of spunky. It must be those royal family people. Um, so let's keep going. Verse 4. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but he realizes he can't. So he runs ahead of Jesus and he finds a tree to climb. And, and I believe in this small verse what we can learn is that Zacchaeus says that our position and our perspective matters. Our position and our perspective matters. He may have been a, a wee little man but he modeled this big reality that positioning yourself along the path of grace is really important. That putting yourself in a position, if you know Jesus is coming in a certain direction, along a certain path, you pick a spot to stand where you will surely meet him. And that's what Zacchaeus did. 
He couldn't force Jesus' hand. He, he, he couldn't make grace flow, but he could put himself along the path where he knew grace was coming. There's another example of this in Luke 18 uh, of a blind man named Bartimus. He, he couldn't earn restoration of his sight, but he could position himself along the route of grace where Jesus might give the gift that passed by. And I believe that when we put ourselves in this path of grace, what Zacchaeus did and what Bartimus did was that they said, I have enough faith that if I can just get to see Jesus, I know my life will be different. If I can just get a glimpse of him, if I can just get in the way and maybe he'll choose to, to bring his grace on me, then I know I have faith that he will do something. Jonathan Edwards is a really popular uh, famous theologian, and he said this, we can endeavor to promote spiritual appetite by laying yourself in the way of allurement. So by putting yourself in the path of where you know Jesus will be. So are you positioning yourself in the path of grace? Are you positioning yourself in the path of grace? Do you go where Jesus is and wait for him to touch you there? Do, do you find the spaces in your life that you know Jesus will meet you and go there and wait for him to pour out his grace on you? Do you come to God with great expectation that he can and will intersect your life? How, how do you come to church in the morning? How do you wake up every day? Do you say, God, I know you're going to be around, so put me in the place where I can receive the most of you. Just position me. I'll climb a tree if you want. I'll do whatever it takes to, to be able to do that. But God, put me in the pathway of your grace. I believe that uh, spiritual disciplines is what does this for us. Praying and reading scripture and solitude, getting alone with God and communion and, and fasting. These are all things that position us into the path of grace. It puts us in places where Jesus can reach us and, and Jesus can, can pour his grace out on us. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, Be clothed with humility... For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I think Zacchaeus showed great humility in climbing a tree. He didn't care who was watching. He just said, I got to see Jesus, so I got to do what I got to do. And, and he climbs up this tree. And in that moment, he becomes humble. And the scripture says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That grace will be released on us if we come humbly before him and we do the things he asks us to do, even the things that make us look a little strange or silly or irrational or maybe not the image we want to portray, that when we do that, when we come humbly before Jesus and say, do with my life what you want, then pride doesn't cause resistance and that grace can flow in our lives. So let's take it a step further. How can you help position others in the path of grace? Maybe you would say, yeah, I give myself a pretty good score. I put myself in the path of grace pretty often. Okay, that's good. That's step one. But step two is, how do you help others get into the path of grace? We need to help people who are far from God get into the path of the place that we know Jesus will be. And when we know Jesus will show up there, so we carefully and thoughtfully and lovingly help position people to experience that grace. A great example is the summer cookouts we're doing. We, we had them the last two Saturdays. We have one more coming up this Saturday night. And it's this sort of non-threatening environment 
but you know Jesus is going to be there. Because he says, right, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in, 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 in his presence. And so perhaps it is a time where you can invite someone to just put them in the pathway of God's grace. And then maybe they will have an experience with someone that will show them who Jesus is. Or maybe they'll feel comfortable enough to come to this place where we worship and we say, we, God's presence is here. Maybe it's your home. Maybe a, a place where God is honored and a place where God is known, a place where you pray and, and you worship in your family. Maybe you should think about inviting someone there and that is where they will have an intersection with Jesus. That is where they will have a pathway. They will get in the pathway of grace. So verse 5 says, uh, when Jesus reached the spot, so he comes up under the tree, he looks up and he says to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. At that point, I'm sure Zacchaeus was texting his wife, please start cleaning. <laughs> Someone is coming, we didn't know. <laughs> Y'all know that feeling. I love how Jesus calls Zacchaeus by name. Did you notice that? He doesn't call him by his profession. He doesn't call him by his wealth. He doesn't call him by his status. He, he doesn't even say, hey, shorty. <laughs> he calls him by name. He knows him by name. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down. The KJV version says, um, instead of immediately, it says, make haste. Hurry up. I believe that Jesus was not content to make an appointment for later. Jesus didn't have interest in Zacchaeus saying, let me get out my planner and we'll see you when you're available to come by. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, right now, now is the time. This is the urgency. Now is the time because following me is the most important decision that you will ever make. And Jesus communicates that when he says that to Zacchaeus. And, and I believe that we can learn from that scripture that that is the same urgency that we need to live. If Jesus has told you to do something, the time is now. The time is now. Do not wait. If you are not a follower of Christ and you're here this morning, do not wait another minute. Because Jesus is clearly revealing himself to you today. You are here on purpose. It is no accident. And now is the time. Now is the time to give your life to him. Jesus has an urgency about him when he calls up to Zacchaeus in that tree. I had a soccer coach once that used to say, uh, no excuses, just results. He would yell it all the time. And I believe that Jesus is saying this to Zacchaeus. No excuses, Zacchaeus. Do you want to follow me or don't you? No excuses. No more excuses. And, and I know that in some ways that might be a little bit of a harsh word to receive today. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit of God is whispering to some of you this morning. No excuses. No more. Now is the time. Immediately come and follow me. Because there are things, this urgency is because Jesus knows the consequence if we don't. It's out of this great love that he wants us to understand that following him is not only the very best way to live on earth, but the only way to spend eternity with him. And so we as followers of Jesus, we cannot live like we have all the time in the world to share the hope we have. 
It is so easy to get into that sort of autopilot. I'm a little bit too busy right now. Maybe when my life slows down, when I have less kids in the house or, or when I'm not working so many hours. But I'm praying today for each of us to have this sort of urgency in our hearts, to have an urgency like when Jesus spoke to Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I have to stay at your house today. Today is the day. And that that urgency that Jesus had in talking with Zacchaeus would be that same urgency that we share the hope of who Jesus is in our lives. It can't just be when we're preaching about it on Sundays for this month. We can't forget about it in August and September and October. In fact, for those of you that are visiting, we built this porch on the stage to remind us that we're not staying in here. We're we're going to every porch in the community. We're taking the hope of who Jesus is out of here because we can't just stay in here. That's not what Jesus says to do. He says to Zacchaeus, now is the time, now is the day, immediately. In fact, there's another parable in the scripture in Matthew 25 that you might be familiar with it. It talks of um, a parable of ten virgins, and five of them take extra oil for their lamps, and five of them didn't. And while the five were out trying to buy more oil, they are trying to barter and negotiate and get more oil because they ran out, the bridegroom came and they missed it. And when they got back, the door was shut. They, they couldn't get in. And they even knocked on the door. They pounded on the door. God, let us in, let us in to the bridegroom. But they weren't allowed in. And the parable ends with this verse 13. It says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Again, Jesus is communicating immediately, today, keep watch. No excuses, just results. Right now, obey and listen This is the only way to live a fulfilling and abundant life that God asks us to. All right, so let's go to verse 8. So uh, he's up in the tree. Jesus says, come down. And it says, uh, he comes down immediately. He says, you're going to come to my house today. And then verse 8 says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So for years, Zacchaeus had cheated and swindled people out of money. No one loved him. Uh, We don't know what exactly Jesus said. We don't know the rest of the conversation. There's only so much recorded there in the scripture. But whatever happened, Zacchaeus' heart just flipped. And he left that encounter with Jesus saying, you know what, I will give back four times the amount that I have taken from people. Interestingly, the, the law in that time was that if you took, if you stole money, you had to pay back double that was stolen. And I love what we see Zacchaeus doing. Oh, no, no, double isn't enough. Double times the double. I'll give back more and even more and even more because he was so repentant. His heart was so sad of what he had done that he just wanted to make restitution for what he did. And I believe what we can learn from that is when your heart is truly repentant, when you're really sorry, it will create action. It will create action. Because it's not enough just to be sorry for what you did. You have to restitute it. You have to change. If if you hurt someone, you need to ask Jesus for forgiveness, but then you also need to go make it right. If If you have stolen something, you need to ask Jesus for forgiveness, but then you also need to pay it back. Um, If you have gossiped about someone or harmed their reputation, you need to ask for forgiveness, and then you need to go speak life and truth about them. Because repentance is action. Repentance is physically moving and changing the things that you are sorry about. And we see that here with Zacchaeus. You know, here's what God says about our failures. 1 John 1, 9. 
If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if we confess it, if we repent of it, if we in godly sorrow tell Jesus that we are truly sorry, not just because we want to get out of trouble or clear our name or we don't want people to think bad about us, but it's that true, uh, that true Psalm 51 moment that just says, God, have mercy on me. According to your unfailing love, I, I screwed up again. Here I am at your feet. And God, I need your forgiveness. That type of repentance brings healing. That type of repentance brings life change. And so Zacchaeus is showing that he had this moment with Jesus that brought him to this repentance that made him change even his actions. It wasn't, okay, I'm just not going to steal anymore. Okay, that's good. But not only that, I'm going to make right all that I've done wrong. And Jesus shows him how to do that. God never tires of our struggles. He is never weary of our petitions for forgiveness. I think sometimes if you've been following Christ for a while, um, you kind of get to the point where maybe the first time you fall short, you, you kind of say you're sorry and you feel good about the forgiveness. And maybe the second time, okay, but it's like the third and the fourth time and the tenth time. You get to the point where all of a sudden you think, well, if I go to God now, he's, he's, he can't forgive me. There's no way. I mean, I've, I've messed up so many times. I, I've, I keep coming back to him for the same thing over and over and over. And we convince ourselves that, uh, we won't receive forgiveness, and then we live with this big weight on our shoulder. We live dragging a ball and chain around with our, our foot because we have this feeling that even if we come to Jesus, I mean, there's just no way he could forgive me again for the thing I said I wouldn't do, and I found myself in it again. And I, a few years ago, I sort of had this life-changing moment when I realized that, ironically, we don't deserve the grace the first time. So you're right, we don't deserve it the second time. We don't deserve it the 250th time. We don't deserve it. But the same blood that was shed on the cross for the first offense is the same blood that covers the 300th offense. And, and, and God is outside of time. And so what I think is so beautiful is that when you came to a saving relationship with who Jesus was, he knew all your past sin. You knew all your past sin. You had maybe had this moment of, God, forgive me for all that. I'm going to go somewhere different. I'm going to be different. And God knew that. But you know what? God knew everything ahead of you, too. So as you sin down here and you say, oh, my how, God, I, I just don't deserve this. God is saying, I knew that was going to happen, and I forgave you. I already died on the cross for you. I, I already did that. I saw your whole life, and, and I knew all the grace that you needed, and I wouldn't have saved you in the first place if I didn't think I could handle it. And, and, and he says that, that you are going to fall short until the day you die, until we get into heaven and we're perfect. We're going to fall short. We got to get better. We got to grow. We can't just use grace as an excuse, but we can't live in an unforgiveness. We can't live with that weight on us because it will stop the very move of God that he's trying to do. And so when you ask Jesus to seal your eternity, if your sin was too great for him to handle, he never would have saved you in the first place. And if he didn't want to tolerate your constant coming to him with the same issue, he wouldn't have offered his grace in the first place. But he does offer his grace. And it is so undeserved. 
And, and, and you never deserved it even the first time you sinned, and you're not going to deserve it the, the several hundredth time. But God just continues to yell up trees at people and say, come down right now, because all I want to do is offer the grace I have for you, and you just need to respond to my voice. So what changed this stingy, short Zacchaeus? Well, it wasn't a good lecture. It wasn't a bunch of years in church. It wasn't punishment or discipline or it wasn't a lot of shame and guilt that he felt. It wasn't even a great sermon. Zacchaeus was changed with just a few moments with God in the flesh. Zacchaeus was changed when he had a moment with Jesus. And as far as we know, he went to dinner with Jesus and then maybe never saw Jesus again. We don't know. The scripture doesn't record it. But Jesus, Zacchaeus woke up that day a taker, and he went to sleep that night a giver. And the scripture shows us that everything changes when you know who you're loved by. Everything changes. Jesus is not your accuser. Jesus is not your prosecutor. If you are sensing that, that's the wrong voice. Jesus is your rescuer. Jesus is your redeemer. And this is how the passage ends. Verse 9, Jesus said to them, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Luke's going to come up for just a minute. And we're just going to take three minutes. So if you can, just hold out for that time. And I know Zacchaeus was changed because he spent time with Jesus. So this is what I want to do. Luke is just going to play a reprise of How Great Thou Art, just quietly. And I would love for you to just kind of reflect, sort of kind of shut the world out for a minute. Spend just three minutes with Jesus. Ask him if there's something in your life that you need to do right now that you haven't been doing that he's asking you to. Ask him to show you how to get into a path of grace. Ask him to help you position others in a path of grace. And most importantly, if you're here today and you have never given your life to Jesus, you've never decided to follow him, you've never said, God, you're going to be the captain of my ship. You're going to be the Lord of my life. I want you to think about that. And then we'll just pray to close in just, just a couple minutes. Sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great the ones, how great Thou art.
eyes closed for a minute and your head bowed just in respect for others around you and I, d- I just want to take a minute if you're here today and and you would just say I, I do I want to accept Jesus as my personal savior I want him to be lord of my life maybe I've tried before but I I just I just need to to really seal the deal I need to really follow after God or maybe you've even never heard this message until today and you've understood that doesn't matter what you've done that Jesus is calling up the tree at you calling you by name and asking you to follow him. I just want to ask you if you would just raise your hand just so I can pray for you this week. If there's anybody in this room that would say that today, if you just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for those in this room and And those that you are just working on, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are chasing after us with endless love. God, I thank you that even at our worst moments, Lord, you are finding us and supernaturally opening our hearts and our eyes to you. God, I pray for those that just raise their hand. And Lord, we as a church family are so excited and elated and happy because, God, our whole purpose of existing is to help people walk in a relationship with you. And so, God, thank you for sending each one here on this day. God, thank you that you are doing a good work in us. Lord, I pray for those things that you have brought to each of our minds, the things that you want us to do right now, today, that we cannot wait any longer. I pray that 
the men and women in this room would leave this place and do those things and start those things and call that person and forgive someone and 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 uh, give somewhere and serve somewhere and get in the devotional life and do the things you're asking them to do. God, help in the nursery or 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 serve in another capacity, Lord God. You are calling us, and I pray that when we know those things, we wouldn't ignore them, we wouldn't bat them away, God, but we would act on them even now. God, we're trusting you. We love you. It's in your name we pray.